This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features Nia Farrell. Nia Farrell is what you might call a multi-hyphenate. Uh, she's an actor, writer, director, producer. I met her at the National Black Theater. She's the social media manager there. Um, and if you're not following the National Black Theater on Instagram, you should for your daily dose of uh, inspiration, um, especially Affirmation Monday. Uh, so that's that's definitely dope. Um, she's also part of the 2021 Writer Director Lab at Soho Rep, um, or maybe it's 2019, 21, yeah, 2019, 2021 Writer Director Lab, um, and she's part of that with her longtime collaborator. Uh, there, they go by Tania, so that's Talia Paulette Oliveras and Nia Farrell. Um, and they're working on a project with Soho Rep, the Writer Director Lab, and it's going to be called Map to Nowhere. And yeah, in this conversation, she'll talk about that a little bit more. It's kind of hard to to explain who Nia is and why I wanted to talk to her. She's got a lot on her plate, so I'm super excited to talk to her as somebody else who who strives to do many different things. Um, she's also described as a creator, performer, and Afrofuturist. So uh, I think this conversation will explain more what she's up to um, in her own words, if you will. I'm just super excited about the work sh- that she's doing. I think she's somebody to watch. So I'm excited to share this conversation with you. I'll also put it out there that when uh, Map to Nowhere is going to be presented, maybe I'll have both of them um, as Tania on or I'll have Talia on again to talk more about Map to Nowhere when that's up and running. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to let you hear from Nia Farrell herself. Uh, So without further ado, this is Nia Farrell. Let's have a conversation. Hello, hello. Good, how about you? All right, that's right. And do you prefer that I have headphones? I can run through that Um, No, you're fine. I just wanted to make sure I have, you know, it's a hot day. Um, so I do have a little air going in the background. Um, so I just want to make sure I can hear, hear you, but I can hear you fine. So how are you doing this morning? I'm doing okay. I'm holding space in my heart for John Lewis. Um, yeah. Taking a moment to pause and... Um, kind of just evaluate like what do we do next he left us a beautiful legacy and um I really want to carry that forward um but I'm also like finding laughter in really unexpected places so that's been like a beautiful compliment to like some of the grief Mm -hmm. and uh my observations are you are doing a great job uh so far from what I've seen um you graduated school like a few years ago Uh, Last year. Last year. um, You've been doing some work with the National Black Theater. Um, Mm -hmm. So you you do the social media? Yeah, I'm their interactive social media manager. I've been there since I think like 2016 or 2017. It's really become a home. Nice. Um, If anybody doesn't know, they should subscribe to National Black Theater. What's the Instagram handle? 
It's not black theater and theater spelled with an R-E. Um, it's always inspiring seeing the stuff on there. Um, I'm partial to it, of course, but I'm also always get something from it when I see it. So, so yeah, it, good. Yeah, every good. morning you can check out the morning affirmations. Just a nice way to start the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are also a Soho rep, writer, director, 2021 cohort member. Yeah. Um, so with my artistic partner, Talia Paulette Oliveras, we're a writer director pair as part of their lab. And, um, we've been developing something over the past, I believe year, um, it's taking a little bit of a pivot, but, um, it's been really exciting to see how we're going to move forward. Is the pivot due to like things going on? Yeah. Pandemic wise or? Definitely pandemic wise. We were meant to have showings in May, um, but it was a really great opportunity to figure out like what does a digital devising process look like? And so we actually created a website that we're trying to figure out like how to release and when to do that um, just so then we can keep on working and gathering materials. So much of the work that we do is like gathered from the community around us because we want it to be a representation of who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is that? project what's it about kind of yeah um it's called a map to nowhere and then the specific website is the map project and it's just like a bunch of prompts for people to explore and contribute to i like to say it's like part mad libs part trap door part like confessional it's like time for you to reflect sit with yourself and your thoughts and your dreams for the future nice Um, and so that's like one kind of artistic collaborator that you work with. Um, did you work together before? Were you paired together? How did that, how did that process work? Yeah, we actually have one of those like cheesy NYU brochure stories where Talia and I met, um, before college started weekend on the square, we were paired as roommates. And then five years later, we've still been working together. So we've just been like, she's been a director. I've been an actor for her. Um, we just like align really well, like in terms of our philosophy and our artistic practice. Is that, um, is that the same as you have a, like, if you go to your Instagram, there's Tania. Yes. That is our duo name. Talia plus Nia equals Tania. Mm -hmm. And then you also do some stuff with, uh, Trevor, don't you? Yeah, Trevor Lattes Hayes. Um, we kind of like created the name Downtown Negro because we yeah. like, like the name of it. Um, and we'll like create pieces together. We had some stuff at the New Ohio at the beginning of this year and last year. And that's just like a fun collaborator to work with. I saw the stuff uh, last, was it like last September or something like that? Yeah, uh, the Fridays on Ice series last yeah. summer. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. Um so what are you kind of gravitating, and I guess it's not more, um, it's interesting sitting down talking with you because I'm kind of for the first time, ex- not for the first time, but really kind of accepting that my lane is kind of the multi lane also. And so kind of accepting that, like, keep going forward, but then kind of take things as they come. Um, so how do you, how do you approach it? 
I love embracing the multi-hyphenate self. I think, especially if you consider yourself a creator and a person who likes to like build things like an architect, um, being a multi-hyphenate allows you to have like many different access points to whatever you want to build. Um, I didn't start embracing it until like my senior year. Um, I took a class with Bryce Dallas Howard about being a multi-hyphenate. And it was in that moment where I realized like, oh, solely acting doesn't stir my soul the way that it used to. It's really like devising and building things from the ground up. And that's when I found like writing and directing and really being a good collaborator at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, also in turn as an actor, you want to be a great, the ultimate collaborator, you know? Exactly, like you want to inspire what's going to make like the project really great. And if you have like multiple skills and tools that you can draw upon, it's only going to make the project better. Mm -hmm. Um, so the project that you're working on, is there a website up already that people can follow or? Yeah, we like distributed it to the lot, to the lab to get um, some feedback on it. And we're doing a little bit of tinkering, but hopefully it'll be up soon. And what's kind of the plan with them going forward? It like, I, and I know the caveat is we don't know when things are going to actually open yeah. up. Um, but ideally would there be a live component to when it opens? Yeah, the dream is that it's a live performance that has like a mix with like technology. Um, it's just always wonderful to have people in the space and like with the requirements of social distancing, that just means we need a bigger space. And I like love the possibilities of like, what if we have like a Coliseum size space and like how do we fill that to the brim with Afro futures and dreams? Mm -hmm. Um. And yeah, what does Afrofuturism mean to you? Because that's, yeah. it's one of those things when, uh, like for me, wh what I really connected to it was, and it's a mainstream thing, but for me, Black Panther and the concept of Wakanda really spoke to me because it was like, it's a fantasy, but it's also to me what, Africa could have been if it was never colonized um, mm -hmm. and also realizing that that value is still there and also realizing you know all of our history John Lewis you mentioned at the beginning of this um, the whole point of the struggle of everybody who came before and the, our continued struggle is the future so yeah what does it mean to you? Yeah, I, from my understanding, Afrofuturism has a lot of its roots in like sci-fi technology and it's about like speculating a future, a future of like what if slavery didn't happen, what if Africa wasn't like ravaged by um, like the colonial powers. Um, the Afrofuturism that like I lean into is like mundane Afrofuturism, which is like a subset of it. And instead of looking at science fiction technology, it kind of looks towards like black humanity as the means of speculation for the future. And so instead of waiting for vibranium to exist, right. look at what we have on this earth and like what can we build here and now. Um, it gives me a lot more comfort to know that like the future is actually just like right in front of me and it gives it like a lot more drive in the work because it's like it's an inch away and if we like work towards actualizing our dreams we can actually build those futures mm -hmm. so what are some of the tools that you do that you found work for you with that yeah um dreaming is like it's uh 
noun and it's also like a verb for me. Um, I like actually spend a lot of time dreaming and like taking naps and like really trying to let my imagination run wild. Um, Talia and I like to say that our work exists at the intersection of like radical imagination, pleasure activism, which is part of like Adrienne Marie Brown's work and the work of like the nap ministry, which is like rest is reparations. And so like the combination of those three gives us like the tools and the vision forward for building an Afro future. Uh, there was somebody you mentioned who um, I don't know. They're so pleasure activism. Yeah, Adrienne Marie Brown is an amazing writer, doula, inspiration in my life. Um, she wrote Emergent Strategy. And pleasure activism is kind of looking at how it from like, Adrienne has like a much better definition. The way that I look at pleasure activism is like, how can we put pleasure at the forefront of our activist work? If we're suffering in the revolution, what, like how strong is that revolution? Is it sustainable? But if we have like pleasure and joy as a part of it, it will sustain us much longer. Yeah, I like that. Um, how are you? How are you doing right now? Like kind of what's your personal take? Like everybody I think has reacted to the moment differently and i think every reaction is valid and fine um but yeah how are you processing all of this through, yeah like i went through a slump at the beginning where it's kind of like what is my role um i found a lot of comfort in this diagram i'm not sure who the author is um but it's like a social activist ecosystem and it's realizing that like everyone has a different role in the movement and so like there are frontline responders there are healers but they're also like the visionaries and the storytellers and the builders and um i in kind of like leaning into my role is like i identify as a storyteller and like the visions that i have that is what i can contribute that's when i started to like okay, I think I can return to the page again. I think I can write, I think I can dream. Um, the past week or so, it's back into like a little shaky territory. I'm in California right now. Mm. Um, I'm planning to go back to New York and I'm kind of just like evaluating, what am I returning to? How will I be able to keep the, um, the lessons and the accountability to self-care that I've had while being far away and like bringing that right at the center of everything. What part of California are you in? Southern California, not in LA, um, but like a little bit outside of it. Um, I know California is back on the rise and so we don't have that like shiny clean record of like we're staying indoors. Um, but it's been like really nice to have some sunlight. I will say. Mm -hmm. And did you grow up there? Yeah, I grew up here spent six years in like lancaster pennsylvania randomly and like amish country um but southern california is definitely home and did you like so your activism in the arts did you find that in college or were you into that as a kid how did that how did that come i think i definitely found it in college i remember I'm part of like the MLK scholars, or I was part of it at NYU. And we took a trip to the National Museum of African American History and Culture when it first opened. And like, I still wear the bracelet every day. Um, is that in, is that in DC or where is that? It's in DC, okay. yeah. Uh, right across from the Washington Monument, I believe. When did that open? That must have been like 2015 Okay. Or like that. All right. 
Yeah, because I think I was in D.C. like a couple years before that, but I'm like, why didn't I go to that? But I think it wasn't open yet, so. Yeah, I feel like it's like relatively new mm-hmm. in the museum world. Um, and I just remember like taking that journey, like you literally start underground. It's talking about like the transatlantic slave trade, and then you like rise to the top and the top floor as you're like looking out on this beautiful vista is all about like black accomplishments. And like that journey was like, oh, there's a... I feel like I can tell the story and there's like a mission behind it to like educate, inspire, um, push visions forward. And it was probably around that time in college where I'm like, oh, my art definitely has like a social purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something I've been trying to affirm to artists, especially black artists um, who we reckon with racism and race anyway like everybody does it's just we are it's constantly just a reality that we that we're on the brunt end of usually so it's like we can't help but reckon with it um and it is ongoing work that said having been on like a lot of marches back in the day and stuff like that during this time I really have been leaning into also like, yeah, the best use of my like voice and protest is by building art. So it's similar to like the pleasure concept. It's like, it's not just about pleasure, but, but it is about, yeah, like I doing the work that I believe in makes me happy. And I think has something to say better than, being one of the crowd and that's not to say we need people in the crowd too exactly we need people everywhere and it's like but your specific uh toolkit and your skills and your hyphen it's like that goes towards like building spaces i mean like the best like art making is community organizing in some way like we're bringing people together in order to have like a transformational experience um so that's part of the movement too so something i've been thinking about just in the past week and now i'm like questioning myself um but i do believe in experimenting um and since things are so uncertain right now and because like i know kind of what i'm doing in the immediate as far as like developing art i'm exploring some different uh business ventures some different like some of it's (laughs) some of it we'll see we'll see but what do you think, like, what do you think about money and the arts? Because I feel like it's, like, ideally, ideally, to me, this whole system, I think, needs to, a lot of it needs to just go. Um, most all of it needs to change. But that said, we're still in this system. And so trying to figure out how to be in, like, I, I believe in the... Um, the romance of the starving artist, Mm -hmm. but I also don't think that we need to starve. And I also think as black artists, I want to try to be a part of finding ways for us not to starve and thrive in the arts and in life. So yeah, what do you think about the suffering artist is like not required whatsoever um it's definitely like romanticized and the idea of like oh we have nothing but we make everything it's like no we can take care of ourselves and still make wonderful work i know i definitely got caught in the trap of like if i'm not sad 
what will I write about? Um, and it's taken some time to like learn how to write from joy, how to write from dreams. Um, in terms of like where money fits into it, I was like asking myself this question recently where it's like, if I am committed to like breaking down capitalism and like the structures of oppression that it like leads into and fosters, but I also like know that if like if I got a raise, it would like make my job like a little bit easier. Like how can I reckon those two things? And I was um, in a beautiful like Juneteenth phone call hosted by Nikki Douglas and Star Busby was on the call. And they were like, I am committed to anti-capitalism, but I know that money means something to other people. And so I will take their money because it means something to them. It doesn't have to mean anything to me, but if I want to like, um, continue my work and I want to be like compensated for it, I will use whatever like currency is of value to them because they're, they're having to lose something in order to like have my work, to have my knowledge. Um, so I've been like trying to, trying to lean into that kind of like self-empowerment. It's like, I know at some point I want to like divest from the structure. In the meantime, I will try and like take back what has like built it up in the first place. Mm -hmm. So how do you think, what are you thinking of? How do I do that beyond theory? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I'm like looking at my list of subscriptions. And I'm like, okay, who am I not going to continue subscribing from? Amazon is like on that list. Mm -hmm. Disney Plus on that list. Um, really like putting my money back into the community. Um, I've been like overwhelmed with joy at like how the National Black Theater is getting this like influx of donations because people are realizing that it's like that's that's black owned. Dr. Barbara yeah. Anthony built the block. She built that space for us. And it's like fully for us. And like, why not invest in a resource like that versus investing in an institution that'll like tokenize us in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did you, I didn't know about, I mean, I knew about the black, I knew about the black, the national black theater before I moved to New York in name, but I, and even when I moved here, like I knew about it and I was like, I heard it was dope, all of this stuff and wanted to work there. But it wasn't until I went through the audition process and then was there that I was like, oh, like. Right. I was introduced to the National Black Theater through Jonathan. He came to NYU to speak to my studio. And like, you know, Jonathan's energy. Mm -hmm. When he yeah. taps in, he taps in. There's like a little bit of rocking. His voice drops 10 octaves and he's like really channeling his ancestors. And so I was like so moved by that. I was like, Jonathan, I need to work with you. Mm -hmm. um, and like started working there administratively. And it's like, as soon as you walk into the building, it's a completely different energy. You walk into the office and it's like, we've disabled our sprinklers because we have incense. And like, that's fundamentally important to us. Dr. Barbara Antier, um, her former office is now like a meditation space. Yep. Open floor plan and everyone's kind of just like talking to each other, the table at the center. And like, it genuinely feels like a home and a place where you can find yourself. Um, and that having that space is one of like, the greatest blessings of my life and I can't believe there was like a time like pre-NBT like not knowing about it mm -hmm. yeah and it's like now it's like I feel a responsibility to like to try to invite people there so right after last summer 125th and Freedom um I, I decided to do the Black Arts Institute mm -hmm. 
and and we went to the Schomburg one day, so we were in the neighborhood, and I was like, I can't be, yeah, I can't be over here and not stop. And we can be an MBT. Yep. Um, so I told some people, um, only two ended up coming with me, but yeah, one of them. Like those a, two people, like they were called to it and they mm-hmm. found the place and it's like one by one, we're going to bring people into our space. I mean, 125th and Freedom was like the greatest way to introduce people to National Black Theater. It's like, we're in Harlem, we're literally going to cross it and you're going to get to know us and our values. And it was such a beautiful piece. Oh my goodness. Like, congratulations on that. Like, I still reflect on that a year later. You too. I mean, you know, like family. Yeah. Like, and (laughs) that's the thing also when you start a relationship there, they're like, oh, welcome to the family. And then you show up and you're like, no, it's, that wasn't hollow words. You're part of the family. Like you're invited to the cookout. You can like walk in anytime and you're like, I need a place to meditate. It's like the door is open. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what do you think? Yeah. Just what's your kind of hot take on how like theater, not, I guess, yeah. How theaters are reacting to the black lives movement becoming like at the forefront of things just this time is unprecedented like the pandemic and then the timing of everything timing of george floyd brianna taylor just this escalation of events and i think the timing i think the reason it happened the way it did is because collectively people had that time to like reflect Mm -hmm. people were forced into like reflection and so when everything happened it hit in a way different way and so yeah a lot of people i see a lot of white people i see genuinely some of them facing things for like the first time and admitting that they kind of knew that there were problems but like just we're kind of taking a passive stance on things and then seeing like the theaters in New York react. Some of them, some theaters were already kind of doing the work and this is like theaters, businesses, everything. Some were like scrambling to like get their optics right. But either way, either way it's good. Cause it's like, if the optics is your first step, all right, if you make a statement, now we're going to hold you to it. Mm -hmm. what's your take on things and kind of what's your hope going forward or what's your, what do you, how do you feel? Are you optimistic? I am feeling like very grounded in terms of like, I want to see tangible action items. The words aren't enough anymore. I'm like channeling the energy of Dr. Tears letter to the future where she was literally like, at this point, I expect this to have happened. And so I'm like, when I read these emails from theaters and like see their plans for moving forward, I'm like, this, this needs to get done. And like, I'm not, there's no padding on the back for like writing it. Like I want this, I want these things to be implemented more than just numbers a lot of what I've come out is like, we want at least like 50% black indigenous people of color. It's like, well, that's one aspect. That's diversity looking like purely at the numbers, but like, where's the equity? Where's the inclusion? And where's like the justice? What are like the barriers to entry? Um, And are we, like, are we putting all of our hope in 
predominantly white institutions to change or can we build other spaces? Um, and I like particularly use the word like spaces instead of institutions. It's been something on my mind. Uh, Jonathan has also been using the framework of like, are we building empires or building homes? Mm -hmm. Like, can we build other homes? People who are like invested in this work and are committed to a lifelong journey in this. Um, I also, want to flag that like accessibility hasn't always been a part of the conversation and I think like trying to split up race, gender, sexuality, religion, uh, ableness, ability, that's the word, um, trying to split them up and like trying to tackle them by themselves like isn't, isn't the way forward because we are a conglomeration of all those facets um, and so like I'm looking for like equity, diversity, inclusion, accessibility. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I've been like ruminating on. Mm -hmm. And are you hopeful? Oh, the pause totally gave me away. I should have said yes, like immediately. <laughs> I, I want to figure out like another word than hope. I don't know why right. hope isn't like... Maybe optim optimistic because optimistic doesn't mean that things are automatically going to happen. At least how I how I relate to that word. Yeah. Like the feeling in my body is like, I'm ready. Like it's, it's time. Let's go. Um, there's like a lot of drive and I guess that's like optimism and hope because like, I know there's like a way forward. Um, but I'm kind of just in a space of like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Let's commit to it. Let's like join together and like really commit to these steps forward. Mm -hmm. Um, what are you thinking of like what's next for you uh immediately i have to move out of my apartment and into a new one so that's in, in new york or in new york yeah so that's like half of my brain like where am i gonna live how am i gonna get there is it safe the other half of my brain in terms of like what's next um i'm excited to get people in a room and i say in a room in quotes or maybe it's like a really big room and we can all be like socially distanced um but i am like i want to have uh get people together for like readings i think it's been a lot of like internal development and i'm like ready to share in whatever capacity that looks like um i'm also like a research associate for a class at nyu which involves like filmmaking. And so a lot of what's on my mind is like, how are these students going to create like a short film in a socially distanced world? And that um, looking a lot towards like technology for innovations. Those are like little things floating around my head at all times. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of the play that you're, the piece you're currently working on. I've been thinking about that for a while. Like I think there's a way to create theater that has like a online, component that's like accessible to like everybody to anybody theater of course should be accessible to everybody as well but there are a lot of people that also just haven't really been exposed to theater necessarily yeah um and so i think there's a way for instance i don't know if she like i don't know that that's her thing but like the Issa rays or the uh michaela Coels, um People that, the woman who did Fleabag also, uh, Phoebe. Waller-Bridge. That one, because she did a one-woman play and then did the show. And then, like, I just think there's a way for, like, 
theater and film it's to removing barriers where it's like okay you don't need to like pay for an exorbitantly priced ticket there are only 99 seats in a theater but like the internet is like much more open um of course we need to like get people the technology for it but it's like really allowing people to be involved in the work i like one of the things i'm like so excited for with specifically um a map to nowhere is like when people submit their dreams it'll be like embedded in the script itself and so like the moment where they hear their dreams on stage and then like the bodies on stage actualizing them like that just makes me so excited because like if we can stage it we can do it like there's no reason why we can't like build a black space inside of theater and then just like do it outside of the theater it's very much a training ground mm, i like that i like that did you catch the Antonio Awards? Yes, I did. Uh, one of my friends was like a little bit involved with that. So we were, we were talking about that. But I think that, that that gave me a lot of hope. And that was like one of my favorite things during this time. Because, you know, the Oscars, the Tonys, the Grammys, the Emmys, all of those, it's like we're constantly either being awarded late or snubbed and also i also think the whole thing is kind of silly it's sort of like how do you measure best actor yeah you know you can't really it's not like you really out acted the person necessarily you know what I mean <laughs> like that's not what acting is like acting or that's not the kind of acting that I like where it's like yeah I'm gonna oh my, act. Like how many tears per second were you <laughs> able to like show right. on screen and like the I've been like really curious about like how we're how um we're gonna get outside of like the gender binary in terms of mm -hmm. like these categories and so with like the Antonios like it just felt yeah. like yeah yeah, we're just going to like vote because it's like, these are people that we want to celebrate. Yeah. Um, and it felt like building your own table instead of like waiting for a seat at someone else's. Exactly. And like exactly. The Tonys, their plan for like, I think what they do, like stream Grease or something, Grease Live. Yeah. Like we're theater makers. Like let's do something. And it just felt like so exciting to have Broadway Black and that like community of people who are involved being like, yeah, let's celebrate us. We can put something together. And it was fantastic. And I thought it was really well produced. Right. And a lot of the people hadn't produced anything like that before. But I think that's like the thing is like you, you, you haven't done anything before you've done it. Mm -hmm. So just because you haven't done something doesn't mean you can't. Like Exactly. And like the energy around it all and the way that they produced it. I keep on using this word celebration. Like uh -huh. I can't speak for how like the nominees felt, but what I got the sense of was that um, because it was such a celebration, everyone walked away feeling like a winner in some way. Mm -hmm. They were like acknowledged in a way that like maybe they haven't been before in like other institutions. Like, are we aspiring for awards or like a standard that isn't right. our own that is like trying to exclude us? Like when we create like our own not even rules, but like our own ways of um, acknowledging the work. Like, what does that open up? Mm -hmm. I also use, um, adopted a framework for myself, which is, uh, there's this guy, Simon Sinek, and he was telling a story about how in like the military there, there's like the Medal of Honor. Okay. 
And if you say somebody won the Medal of Honor, the people that are within the military will correct you and be like, you don't win it, you're awarded it. And I think that that's a good way to look at also, even when you get a role, you didn't win a role, you were awarded the role. Um, So that then you both in getting a role or not getting a role, like you have grace. Mm. Cause it's not a, like, it's a community. You know what I mean? Like there's so many talented. Exactly. Brilliant quote. I'm reading for everybody black. Like, why wouldn't I be happy? Mm -hmm. for other people? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Are there any, shows or any books or anything like that any thing that's exciting you right now the first thing that came to my head and it's so silly i'm not endorsing this in any way it's just because i found it on my bookshelf and it cracked me up i found chicken soup for the uh, preteen soul i'm like that's so funny that there's like a book specifically for preteens right <laughs> um but <laughs> like hilarious to me i'm finding joy in like a lot of random things um what am I reading watching? I May Destroy You. Yeah, I'm, I just started it like a few days ago, but. One of the most nuanced conversations around mm. that I've ever seen. Mm. And I just like. Ugh, I'm, I'm in like episode four. So yeah, I'm right in the, in the middle of that. Right. And like, it feels so like, it's the personal without feeling like, oh no, I feel like this artist is, um, kind of like hurting themselves in order to do this it goes back to our conversation about like the the sacrificing artist where it's like I felt at least from like what I'm able to watch is that like Michaela like had the experience took the time is like okay here's how I'm going to transform it rather than like manipulate it in order to make something else it feels like very transformative um been watching Midnight Gospel oh yep like I love that form of like oh, just like really deep philosophical conversations. And then maybe there's a zombie apocalypse behind it. Like that feels accurate to what's happening right now. Um. So I, in this time, I wrote um, a play. It's called uh, Can Robots Sing the Blues? It's, Mm. it's, I got my zero draft. So there's a lot of revisions, but it deals with the multiverse. Mm. Um, Will you you read one of the characters when I do a reading for it? All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here. You heard it here first. Here we go. I was awarded a role. I feel so honored. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's like, that was one I started watching in the middle of writing that. And I was just like, yes. Cause I was hungry for like that multiverse stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's been, I think I've been watching like way more content than like reading it. Mm-hmm. And that's particularly because like I'm staying with my parents and they have a TV and they have subscriptions that I do not. Uh-huh. Um, so like I'm getting everything in before I leave in August and then I'll go back to like books. Cause that's, I don't have a TV. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you listen to podcasts at all? I do. I listen to the read and I love having them on in the back. Cause it's like having two friends mm-hmm. in a conversation about hot topics. What else have I been listening to? I want to finish the Richard II podcast. From yeah. Public. I saw that you did um, an interview with them. So I'm like, yeah. Listen to that in tandem. Um, but what podcast do you recommend? Like, are there um, 
Creatures podcast that I don't know about? There's one that uh, Duncan Trussell, and he's the one behind the Midnight Gospel, and that's called the Duncan, it's called the DTFH. So the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, but it's very much still in that Midnight Gospel multiverse existentialist uh, realm. So I think you'd love that one. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, they change all the time. Exactly. Like as soon as I need to name something, it's like I've never listened, read, or watched anything in my life. Mm-hmm. But no, that there's a list, y'all. There's you listen to Off Book though, Broadway no. Black. Oh yeah, I'm so bad. Off Book, Broadway Black. Mm-hmm. Shade. I appreciate that one's it. really good. Yeah, just because I mean it's talking about us and the industry and yeah, that's so that's been a big thing for me over the last year is like there was a time. So as an actor, I'd really, I, well, as an actor, I love acting, right? Um, I also love singing. And so I enjoy and I've done musical theater, but it's not like my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. That said, there was that popular musical on Broadway, Hamilton. And I cut my hair at the beginning of this, but like there was a period of time where I was like, oh, hey, you should try for Hamilton. And so I was kind of like, heading in that direction Mm -hmm. for a while like sort of like yeah i need to work on these roles and like try to figure this out and don't get me wrong like i wouldn't turn down the role i wouldn't turn down um somebody wanting to fund my you know the business side of things but honestly like the last year has made me realize what I value and so for me like national black theater um the public theater playwrights horizons um soho rep uh like I know I'm gonna forget some like the Billy Holiday theater these are the theaters like for me that more than like Broadway would be cool but right. I'd be way prouder of doing work at any of those other, like, institutions and homes. Yes. <laughs> um, Places that take care of their artists. I want to, like, throw some love at Soho Rep, where it's, like, they know that we're part of this lab. And, like, things haven't, the timeline is getting shifted. But, like, I've never felt more taken care of by a group of people. And, like, I love how they have a horizontal structure in terms of their leadership model. Like, they... They really care about who we are as individuals and not necessarily like what we produce. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lark is also like a great home that like really- The Lark? Started. Yeah, it's um The Lark is on 43rd and 8th maybe. I think that's it. The and group, it's yeah. a home for playwrights. Mm-hmm. Um, and the playwright is at like the center of their pl- process. They have like a lot of like readings there and they don't do productions and you walk in and it's just another place where it's like everyone saying hello, they know your name, they offer you grapes. Like it's a beautiful artistic home. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's another thing. Like it's such a small community. Like it's a small world, yeah. New York. Like, yeah, 
So it's dope to everyone. And it's like, we all have like some connection to someone that we know. And that can be like really beautiful when the community is there to like uplift each other. When it Mm -hmm. becomes like a, this group of people gets like the same grants, the same, and they just like move from theater to theater. That's when like the community is about like shutting others out when like open arms. And it's like, let's, let's let like emerging artists kind of like uh where it's more intergenerational conversation of artists that's what i'm looking for with this community did you see fairview yes yeah my goodness jackie she's actually um one of the like leaders of the soho rep labs so i've just been like basking in her glory fairview was absolutely stunning nice uh and do you have aspirations of like filmmaking too it's really, it's been a journey. I work at um, a film production company founded by Bryce Dallas Howard. And so I've been getting more into like film development. So how many, <laughs> <laughs> how many, <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it's a post-grad hustle, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I get it. All right. That, that's, that's good to know though. <laughs> yeah. That's because that's basically what I, I've been like embracing that hustle lately. Um, but, but nice. Okay. But so, yeah. so continue. Yeah. I've been working with her, like developing like film projects, like documentaries, feature films. Um, and I think this was all part of her master plan. I told her that I'm like, I'm a theater artist. That's what I do. But like, I'm interested in development. And a year later, I'm like, yeah, I like film. I like emerging technology, especially in film. Um, and so like, I'm very grateful for that exposure. And it's, a, it's definitely a growing hyphenate. Mm-hmm. Nice. So what are the hyphenates that you, like, how would you describe yourself today? Because I think it's also cool with that is that why not? Like, I feel like sometimes people tell you to pick a lane. And for oh, some no. people, you know what I mean? Like, that works for some people. I shouldn't have said no immediately. That definitely but, like works for some people. Yeah. But I feel I, like there's no reason you can't do it all. And somebody told me like last summer, they're like, you, you can do it all. You just might not be able to do everything at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yes, a multi-hyphenate doesn't mean that like you're doing all these hyphenates at one time. It just means you're able to like step into those roles when needed. And it's a commitment to like growing mastery in those things where it's like, I'm not going to have a bunch of hyphenates and be like half good at all of them. Like I want to grow each and every one and continue to develop. Yeah. Can I share the thing I'm like, <laughs> like thinking about doing? And then this is like, the most boring thing, but I'm just trying to figure it out. So like for a survival job now, hopefully like I've had a few like commissions during COVID. So that's like good and reminding me that like by, by creating art, by creating value, like money will come. Work begets work. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, in between times, I also have to make sure that money is co- like that there's a certain amount coming in. And also because there is a part of me and maybe we can collaborate on this. I kind of, yeah, I'll say it. Um, I feel like when things open up 
there's going to be more opportunity than normal to get into spaces where the barrier, like the barrier of entry will be different for like a short window of time. I think when we open up, mm-hmm. so, and I'm not talking like a crazy long, I'm talking about something realistic, but I want like sometime next year to be part of producing an off-Broadway show. I have no idea where, um, I have no idea how, um, it doesn't have to be mine. I want to be involved somehow artistically, um, but also, yeah, like I think producing is important. Like in the more producers we are, then the more of our, like, that's the problem. That's like the big thing missing right now. There's not enough black producers. Yeah. In this like current hierarchical structure, like the producers are part of like one specific group and like, they know what they like and they have their taste, but like where I not even like where are the black producers, because like, I know there are some, but it's like, why am I not seeing them? And like, can we get them into um, more spaces? Mm-hmm. So the, crazy little thing I'm thinking about is maybe trying another job and this would not be an artistic job just for money but it's all remote and it's insurance boring as hell but I haven't and I have no idea what it'll be like but the opportunity presented itself and I've really enjoyed this for, I mean, I've had downtimes, and when I cut my hair, I went through a mini depression. Um, I, it, it was time, like, and, I, and I'm happy. I, like, I'm very grateful for all of this time to process <laughs> everything. Um, but I've very much enjoyed being on my own schedule. And so if I can find a way to, like, make money on my own schedule, um, then I can do it. The fear, of course, is just I'm an artist first, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to figure out how to like be more financially empowered um, so that I can be more of an artist and just trying to figure out the cart before the horse and like the values. Right. And I, mean, I don't like you have a sense of your priorities and that like you want a flexible schedule you also want like something that's not like one-off jobs. Like you kind of want to have like a salary or like a monthly retainer stipend. And so like knowing those things, you'll be able to like pick the job that works well. uh, Insurance is actually like really interesting. I just love the idea of like, you're going to help people be more safe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the other thing is like learning about it. You know, I, I think that's the big thing. And I'm, I, I, I also want to build something um, to teach people how to be superheroes. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of in line, you know, with the concepts you're talking about. Like, I believe everybody has a superpower um, and most people have more than one, you know, most people have a bunch. You like build like a platform or I'm even thinking like if you're targeting towards like a specific age, like I wonder like if like, kids in school need to like hear that and it's like how can you set up like work like superhero workshops i think it would be uh, yeah i think the two targets would be youth and it would also be people wanting to switch careers yeah 
um people in like major moments of like transition or on like the yeah yeah because i think too many people all of us a lot of times sometimes think that we can't do things you know what i mean like that we don't have options when we always have unlimited options something because like that's what we know but i think i just read something that's like the greatest risk is actually taking no risk yeah like learning how to push yourself outside of your comfort zone being a superhero doesn't mean you're invincible right Um, you always have like there will be failures along the way but it just means you have like the courage to do things in spite of anything that may happen yeah yes ashe thank you Um, (laughs) what uh what's the best place for people to like follow what you're up to yeah um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's at Nia Grace 14. Um, and on there in my bio, just like a bunch of links to like websites and stuff. I'm actually revamping my website. I'm yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I'm getting some help on that too. Um, are you doing it yourself or do you have work with other people? Yeah, my artistic partner is actually like a wonderful website designer. Nice. Um, and so she's been helping me out with that. Nice. Nice. Um, oh yeah, and is your last name pronounced Farrell or Pharrell? Farrell. Okay. Like nice. uh, Will Farrell. Yeah, yeah. Funny dude, Will Farrell. Good guy. <laughs> <laughs> have you met him or? I have not. I don't know why. Like, pause. I'm like, have I met him? I think I've like referred to Will Farrell so often in my life. Oh yeah. Last name. Ah. Uh, like I think I might have met him. Maybe I have not. I uh, for me that's Alec Baldwin. So yeah. Like Alex, and it's like no Alec Baldwin. Alec, yeah. I, oh my goodness, my brother's name's Alec. I don't know why mm. I didn't like, make the connection. Ah, yeah, and that's why actually for like auditions and certain things, I've started to say Alec the Third because mm-hmm. with uh, Stevens as a last name, if I say Alec like Stevens. That. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's really smart. And then it's also kind of funny. Like, if I'm going to have the third in there anyway, like, I don't need... (laughs) Yeah. And it's, of course, people still call me Alec, but it's, like, it's kind of funny if we're doing first and last names. She's like, hey, I'm Alec the third. Like, (laughs) my last name's a title, you know? Yeah. My last name's a title. I love that. (laughs) Um... Is there anything uh, else you want to talk about today? I don't think so. I feel like it's um, in the morning in California. And this is like such oh, a yeah. way to like start my day. So thank you for this. Yeah, thank you. Um, and do you have any parting words of wisdom? You dropped some jewels already today, but you know. I would just say to keep dreaming um, and dream in order to actualize. I love it. I love it. Um, and I agree. So it's a pleasure to sit down and talk with you. Um, when I have a draft of the play that I'm not embarrassed about, um, <laughs> I'll probably do some kind of, some kind of reading. Um, so yeah, so love to have you there. Um, thank you. Yeah. And yeah, we'll talk soon. Keep me posted on what you're up to. You as well. Yeah. Have a good one.
Oh, Bye. say hi to the West Coast for me. I'm from Seattle, so. Yes, the West Coast says hello. It's sunny. I don't know if in Seattle it would be sunny, but it's sunny over here. These days, yeah, you know, the climate, I don't know why. I don't know if it's, I don't know if, if it's because maybe something humans are doing, um, changing things. Uh, yeah. And actually, for the record, anybody listening, I do know that it's because of what we're doing. Um, just for the record. Just for the record. I don't know if, if you've run into anybody who <laughs> I don't know if you've run into people like surprising people that you know who are like climate deniers. There have been like I don't think I've run into climate deniers yet. I've run into a lot of like surprising philosophies uh-huh. at NYU, but not climate deniers. So it's a yeah. weird one. It's a weird <laughs> one. Because it's like, wait a second, for real. In the same reality where it's like you're also like extremely hot too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Things are changing. Yeah. Well, you know, we're going to get through this, people. We are. (laughs) Take care. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. So that was my conversation with Nia Farrell. The links to her Instagram website will be in the show notes. Check those out, as always. And as she said, keep on dreaming. And I know that uh, I sent love through her to the West Coast, but I'm actually flying out to my hometown of Seattle uh, in a couple of days. Uh, so if you're listening to this on the West Coast and want to responsibly, socially, uh, distancely meet up in Seattle, I'll be there. Um, yeah, going to be there from the 25th to the 4th. Uh, looking forward to it, although I'm not looking forward to traveling. Um But yeah, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Keep on dreaming. If you can see it, you can be it. So see it, be it, do it. The links are in the show notes. If you enjoy the episode, please share it. Uh, If you want to rate, review, hit somebody else and be right back here soon. See you on Monday. Take care. Peace. Peace.